Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam! I'm telling you, it's time to party! Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and joining me for episode 252 of the show, our trade deadline special, is Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster, my regular co-host, and joining us from the Red Sox On Deck Prospect Podcast to break down some of the prospects in this trade is Shelly Verstraight uh, of of Roto-Wire and of OTM. Um, both of you, welcome to the show. Uh, let's let's welcome our guest first. Shelly, how are you doing over there? You've got uh, two French Bulldogs named Orsillo and Soto. And now they've been reunited on the same team. How does that feel? Um, I think that I might be a, a, a Padres fan for like the rest of the year. But um, it's it was kind of like a really rough um, uh, trade in line, as I'm sure that we will talk about here. But um, I'm glad to be on the pod. Awesome. Glad to have you and uh, your takes on these prospects. That's going to be awesome. Uh, Keaton, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Had a nice, busy couple of days firing off them tweets, keeping up with all these trades, and uh, dealing with all of the comments in return. So that's been fun. Has Twitter been good for your mental health? Would you say that the added responsibility of managing the OTM Twitter has has benefited you in the net? You know, I found that if you're general state of being is sarcastic. Twitter is exactly the place where you should go. 
Oh, so this is why Matt Collins thrived for such a long time. This makes perfect sense now. Yeah. Yeah, good. Okay, so let's get right to it. Uh, The trade deadline went down. It is August 2nd as we are recording this. It is 8.50 p.m., so the Red Sox are currently playing the Astros, and, uh, you know, Christian Vasquez is on the other team now. Um, But before we get into the individual trades and break down the nitty-gritty of those moves, I want to talk about what the Red Sox did as a whole um, and get your initial takes on whether or not the Red Sox did the right thing by both buying and selling. And let's start with you, Keaton. Did the Red Sox do the right thing by bringing some pieces in and shipping some pieces out here? In theory, yes. Practice uh, needs improvement. Care to elaborate on that, Keaton? Sure, yeah. I think uh, the last time that we talked on this podcast, we came to the conclusion that both buying and selling was the right move. Um, I am a little bit still, still digesting the pieces they bought and how they fit in and really what kind of the plan is here um and or and some of also why uh some of these moves weren't made six months ago (laughs) and plugging some of these holes and that would have made kind of a lot more sense and uh kind of how the the backs were against the wall but um you know with Vasquez in particular, that was a name that you brought up like immediately as um, a name that was probably going to get dealt and you were pretty okay with getting dealt um, and being shipped out on an expiring contract. So I don't think that was a surprise. Um, you know, it's it's a bummer just because he's been with the team for so long um, and he's a clubhouse guy, but I don't think anybody's really shocked um, that that move happened. Um, so... Yeah, I think buying and selling was kind of what was expected. Um, and Vasquez is one of those names that we expected to go out. So that, that piece isn't really surprised, um, isn't really surprising. Uh, was expected, expected, and I think was uh, the right move to make. Uh, I also think that buying was the right move. The pieces that they bought, um, a little underwhelming. So. Uh, could have could have done the need. That's where the the needs improvement on the in practice piece comes in. All right, all right, fair enough. Um, Shelly, we didn't have a chance to uh, talk to you right before the trade deadline. So um, you know, what did you want them to do heading into the trade deadline? What did you think made sense for them? And, and what did you think about the strategy as a whole that sort of played out here? Um, honestly, um, I really did want them to basically just sell, um, because they're what fourth, um, they're like, they're fighting with the Orioles for fourth in this division. And yeah, they're kind of still sort of into it, uh, into like the, you know, the playoff race, but I mean, the, the writing was on the wall. Um, let's just try to get as many different pieces as we could. You know, for guys like like Vasquez, like Martinez, um, like Iovaldi, just something. And, I mean, yeah, sure, I guess we're still kind of sort of into the 
into the thick of it of maybe being a like the last team on the wild card but the major league guys that we brought in um um i i'm definitely not a fan of and it has really rocked the the i think the core of this team of how just how much they you know vasquez was like he's been on this team since he was like 17 years old right so he is just like locked into this team and just bringing some of the guys back i'm just like even if we make the playoffs i'm just like i'm just really not into this team i yeah i'm just not i'm just not yeah it was weird um i'll give my my take on it um you know, I, I kind of agree with with a lot of the things that both of you guys are saying. And I thought, you know, when when the Vasquez move went down, I was like, OK, cool. Haim has decided to, you know, sell the guys who are expiring and the guys who he's not planning to move forward with uh, on this team. And that makes a lot of sense. And I even kind of looked at the two prospects and we'll get into those guys a little bit later. And I was like, OK, yeah, this is a pretty decent return for for a catcher who you're not expecting to bring back. But then it was sort of befuddling today. Um, you know, the other moves that were made, uh, the McGuire replacement, which we'll, we'll get into was like fine um, for, you know, getting a catcher back. But, uh, you know, bringing in Tommy Pham was weird because he's, you know, when, when we were talking about it, Keaton, we were talking about, uh, if you're going to be buying and selling, you're going to be buying pieces that you can control for the future. And it was weird to bring in a guy in Tommy Pham who's a pure uh, 34-year-old rental um, for this team. So that was kind of odd. Uh, and then the the purchasing three years of uh, Eric Hosmer, and, and I get that we will we'll get into the nitty-gritty of his contract here, that you know a lot of that is uh, is being financed by the Padres. But still, like that's not exactly the sort of young controllable player that we were sort of thinking about um and whenever we've thought about a deal like this going down we've we've thought about it as the red sox taking on the money uh to get like a good prospect back and and shelly you tweeted this out today uh when you heard about the trade that you were kind of like okay i hope this means legit prospect luis campusano uh is coming back to the red sox which would have made a ton of sense um, but no, instead the Red Sox opted to take, uh, financial support from the small market Padres, uh, instead. So yeah, it was, it was pretty weird. Uh, overall, I really didn't like the trade deadline and I remain pretty frustrated and confused by what Bloom's vision for this team is. Uh, and, and I feel like I'm probably not alone on that at this point. No, and like I, if you're going to add a player like Hosmer, it didn't need to wait until the deadline to happen. That's what I, it's like. I don't understand. Like the deadline is your, like you're shoring up your lineup for a push to, to the playoffs. Shouldn't have taken this long to add a first baseman. And if we're getting to this point, if you're going to add a first baseman then you're doing more than just adding someone who can competently field. You're, like, adding a full, like, 
jolt to the lineup. I didn't really do that. And then, like you said, to just like to take the financial compensation from the Padres um, and still end up over the CBT. Like at that point, you should have taken more money um, on, on yourself and get a prospect in return. I don't really understand that. That's kind of a really confusing way to, to go about that deal. Um, and then the FAM one, again, goes back to um, they knew that they should have gotten a, a right fielder or should have come into the season with another outfielder, and they just, again, waited too long to do it. And so now they've added a rental, which um, I'm okay with that piece of it because you have uh, Duran here now, and I think it makes sense for – uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. to be relegated to a fourth outfield role. I think that suits him better. So I think that piece makes sense. Uh, and that would have made like a lot more sense if that was like the just the showing up your roster piece of it. But also, again, nothing for the bullpen. <laughs> With the bull, bullpens in shambles, they ended up sending Jake Diekman away, uh, which is probably a net positive. Uh, but they didn't add anybody. To the bullpen, which is still the still the biggest issue for this team, uh, with all their blown saves and they can't shore down wins. So if you really felt like you can make a push, you would have done something for the bullpen. And there was, I mean, I don't know if you want to get to a listener question now because it kind of leads into that. But um, Bloom was asked about that, and they tried to do a bunch, and then nothing got done, which has kind of been his line every single trade deadline and off season was that they've tried to do a bunch and just nothing came together. Yeah. Um, which is Kings really of interest. Yeah. Which is just really frustrating to hear over and over and over again. Yeah. But for the, nothing to be added in the rotation or the bullpen, I don't understand that. Those are the two weakest points of the team. The offense isn't the problem. Like first base is an issue. Sure. And right field is frustrating. But the team is scoring a buttload of runs. They're blowing saves left and right, and they've got 18 pitchers on the IL. And neither of those were addressed. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Shelly, I want to get to your take on uh, the Hosmer thing, though, because you know this is a deal that we have been talking about for – uh, I don't know, a couple of years now, the Red Sox, you know, taking on Eric Hosmer and then getting a substantial prospect back in return for, for doing that. And we've talked about how that's a pretty good strategy for a big market club like the Red Sox, who has the financial might to do things like that. Um, the, the Padres are clearly not hugging prospects here. Uh, Preller has traded basically their entire system over the last uh, couple of years to improve his club and put it in a position to make a run in a World Series. They acquire Juan Soto today. You know, why do you think Bloom decided to make the deal that he did uh, with with Hosmer? Do you have any any insight into, you know, why he would go that route rather than the route that everybody kind of thought he would go down to get a guy like Hosmer? Um. I honestly think that Bloom took advantage of Eric Hosmer putting the Padres really in a bind um, because Hosmer, like, he had, like, a couple teams that he could, you know, he had, like, no trade agreements, and Washington just had, just happened to be 
um, one of those teams. And Hosmer, which is part of his right, he was just like, yeah, no, no, man, I am not going to Washington because who would want to go there because it's going to be a while before they're going to be good, right? Yeah. Um, So I do think that Bloom just like pounced on, oh, we can upgrade our first base position, right? And we don't really have to do anything, and it's a guy who can hit, who is definitely better than any first baseman that we currently have. I, I understand that. And uh, he's, you know, the, the Padres are basically paying the entire part of Hosmer's contract. So I get it from that standpoint, but there's it's still it still doesn't help anything. Like, it just gets us like a little bit a little bit better we get a few different prospects we you know we trade uh jay groom over to the padres basically because you know jay groom is kind of like on the 40-man situation this offseason and so we get a couple prospects and we get a cheap hosmer for nothing so i get that even though i still don't like them bringing in hosmer because i just don't like eric hosmer um but i'm just like so even with that deal, it was still nothing. He didn't do anything. He did not do anything at all. He traded a guy on who was on the 40-man bubble for nothing. Like, he he just he doesn't do anything. That's what frustrates <laughs> me so much. You're shuffling deck chairs over here. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. So I, I think... The best way to do this uh, going forward to, to give us the most organic discussion is to just kind of uh, go over these moves in totality here, and then we can kind of break down uh, all the questions that I have laid out for these moves. So the moves that the Red Sox made here, uh, not to bury the lead, uh, but we definitely did that, and that's my fault. But um, Red Sox sent Christian Vasquez to the Astros uh, for infielder slash outfielder Emmanuel Valdez and minor league outfielder Wilder Abreu. Second deal was Red Sox sent Jake Diekman and Cash, or a player to be named later for catcher Reese McGuire. Uh, third deal was Red Sox send a player to be named later for left fielder Tommy Pham. And then the, the big deal that we've been talking a lot about is San Diego Padres uh, trading Eric Hosmer, Max Ferguson, and Corey Rozier. Uh, to the Boston Red Sox for left-handed pitcher Jake Room, and also, as Shelley had mentioned, they're paying $44 million, basically the entire salary, nearly the entire salary there. Uh, so when we look at the roster here going forward, guys, it's it's a really weird collection of players. Um, the way that it's sort of going to line up here is Jaron Duran's going to be your center fielder, at least until Kike comes back. Uh, Tommy Pham's going to play left field. It seems like that's where he was penciled into the lineup tonight. Um, we're going to have J.D. Martinez still on this team. Alex Verdugo is going to move over to right field. Eric Hosmer is going to man first base. Uh, a corresponding move to, to Eric Hosmer is that Franchi Cordero was actually sent down today uh, to the minor leagues, so we're not going to have to watch him fumble around anymore. Um, the catcher position, it seems like Reese McGuire and Kevin Puecki are going to split time there. Not exactly the ideal, uh, you know, situation at that position. Um, and then, as as Keaton mentioned, I mean, it is a little bit of addition by subtraction. Getting rid of uh, Jake Diekman from the pen, maybe it gives an opportunity to, you know, one of the young guys we've been talking about, Zach Kelly or Frank German or Eduardo Brizardo or somebody like that down the road. But really, um, 
as Shelley said, I mean, it doesn't seem like there was a whole lot of impact uh, added to this team, especially with taking away Christian Vasquez, whose bat has been pretty good uh, for the Red Sox all season long. So let's go to you first, Keaton. I mean, after making all of these moves, do you feel that the Red Sox are any closer uh, to making a playoff push than they were before uh, this trade deadline? Ever so slightly. Okay. Uh, well, how do you think they got better? Well, they got way better defensively, specifically at first. That okay. is a big help. Mm-hmm. That is undeniable that they have a competent first baseman, <laughs> which should go a long way yes. in helping with these errors. Um, I don't remember what it's like watching somebody know how to field that position. I just, I generally cannot remember the last time Mitch I watched someone do it. Well, that's what I'm saying. I just, I yeah, cannot, yeah. I cannot, it's been so long ago, I cannot even remember it, what it yeah. looks like anymore. Uh, so looking forward to that. Um, that is, that's, that piece is nice. I'm also looking forward to not seeing JBJ get three, four at bats a night. Uh, I'm excited about that piece. So I think that part is nice. Um, so, I mean, yeah, in, in terms of that, I'd say, yeah. I think um, when you have Trevor Story back uh, at second base, I actually really kind of like the way that the lineup shakes out. It's a pretty nice lineup. But <laughs> then again, the bullpen is a mess. Like, I like the back three. I like Schreiber to Whitlock to Hauk. That looks nice. But then you've got... Brazier, Sawamura, Davis, Ort. I, I mean, what the hell is that? It's still not a bullpen. It's still not a functional bullpen. Right. You yeah. can't. So, I, yeah, that's incredibly frustrating to look at that. Um, Brian Bayo being there, um, like it's just kind of like he's technically there. He's like, I mean, he's still, he's doing like the follow the opener technically starting kind of thing right now. So And I wonder if they end up sticking with that or if they end up using him in some other situations. Maybe we end up seeing him utilized in a different role, but still there's like the vast majority of the bullpens not very good. So don't feel great about that. Um, and then, I mean, the rotation is still a mess. I mean, you have to hope that Carter Crawford and Josh Winkowski – just don't turn into pumpkins, which yeah. is a lot to hope for. Um, Carter Crawford's looking really good tonight here against the Astros, but um, and has looked really good lately. But I don't know if you can just can count on that to continue uh, for another two months. Um, same with Winkowski. Pavetta's back to poop Vetta. Um, don't know what you're going to get out of Hill. When Walker comes back, don't know what you're going to get out of him. Don't know if we're ever going to see Paxton. So... That's a mess, but that's been a mess. Same with the bullpen. So, yeah, I think the lineup is slightly better. So, yeah, I, they, I would say they are uh, slightly closer to contending than they were eight hours ago. Yeah. Um, but it's not much. It's marginal. Yeah, I don't know if I agree. Um, you know, and... And uh, I definitely want to get your take on this too, Shelley. But one of the things that I'm really unsure of is, 
the outfield defense now. Like, you're still playing Jaron Duran out there, who's an absolute butcher. You're taking Alex Verdugo, who is comfortable in left field, and moving him to right field. Tommy Pham is is older now and not nearly as athletic, so you know he's a worse defender at this point than JBJ is. His bat is certainly an improvement. So I agree that the defense in the bat is improved at first base with Hosmer, but I think you take a step back defensively uh, in the outfield with the new alignment. Um, you know, no replacement for Diekman is uh, weird. Um, and, yeah, I echo a lot of the things you said about the rotation. So, I mean, Shelly, where where are you at with this? Are they any closer to contention here or, or, or what? Um. I mean, I honestly think that they're. Um, I mean, I, 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 I guess I agree with Keaton. Like they're slightly better, but I, I don't think that they're even like slightly better when it comes that they added Tommy Pham. I mean, I'm not the biggest Tommy Pham fan. Like I, I don't think that he has really been that great, even with with the Reds, who are playing a much better like home ballpark um, than Fenway. Like, I don't really think that he is all that great. But again, like, obviously better than JBJ. But they did nothing. They were they did nothing with pitching. And that has been our biggest bugaboo for the entire season. And they did yep. nothing. Nothing. So, no, I... I, I, I even with adding like a few better hitters, they did not address pitching. So yeah, no, I, I don't I don't think that they did anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say if you think that Reese McGuire is a better game caller or, or pitch framer or whatever than uh, Christian Vasquez, like maybe that helps to some infinitesimal degree. But Reese McGuire is undoubtedly a step down offensively from Christian Vasquez and it's hard for me to believe that you know he's going to immediately have anywhere close to the rapport with the pitchers that Christian Vasquez did so I'm not even sure if you get the the true defensive benefits there uh right off the bat so I I actually I'm gonna take the other stance I don't think that the team uh was made better with these moves even marginally so I think it was if anything, made marginally worse um, by by subtracting uh, Christian Vasquez. But I, I think my biggest question here is uh, with with Bloom when it comes to why he didn't go ahead and, and go all in with this cell mode. Um, why no JD Evaldi Rich Hill? Um, Rich Hill's name was bandied about. Evaldi's name was was put out there. JD Martinez, I was convinced, was going to end up a Met. Um, you know, why, why would you not go ahead and sell those guys? Because I would be shocked if any of those guys that I just mentioned and and probably a whole lot of other players on this team are going to be on the roster next year. I look at this roster right now. I still don't think it's a playoff team. So I don't understand why Bloom didn't just take the best deal he could get for those particular players. What are your thoughts on that, Shelley? Um, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, I mean, it, it, it really doesn't, like, make any sense. Like, if 
if you know, if like if you're Bloom and you know that your team doesn't really has any chance, and you have like guys on expiring contracts and stuff like that, why don't you just take like a prospect that you want to believe in? Like, I mean, I I could kind of understand that you know, oh maybe you can like you know, give them a qualifying offer and then get a draft pick. I'm like, okay, so you get a draft pick. So you you get to draft someone that you have no idea what they're doing versus at least trading for someone that you kind of have at least seen in pro ball or something. I just, I just, I honestly, I just don't understand it. I, 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 I don't know. Just, just take a guy that you like or some I, I I was like dumbfounded the entire day today um you know just like watching Twitter and like okay when is this guy gonna get traded when is this guy gonna get it traded where are they going and it was nothing and I'm just and I mean just like listening to some of the comments from the from you know some of the players that they I think that they were kind of dumbfounded as well like I'm not on a different team. Like, what's going on? That's just kind of my thoughts. Well, you said it. Yeah. Go go ahead, Keaton. You you said exactly it. You said if you're Bloom and you don't think the Red Sox have a chance, he does not believe that. He believes that this Red Sox team can make the playoffs. So that is exactly why J.D. and Nivaldi are still here. Do you believe that? Not really. No. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> the pitching, like the pitching is too much of a mess. They, I mean, if that's what I, that's been kind of like my point this this whole time. If he actually to me, or I guess it's, let me reframe your question: Are you asking me if I think this team can make the playoffs, or are you asking me do I think Bloom actually believes the team can make the playoffs? No. Do you think that? Do you personally think that this roster has enough to make the playoffs at this point? No. At the bullpen and the pitching, it's not there. I that's agree. what that's what shocked me is like, if you really believed that this team could make it, why wouldn't you address your two biggest holes? That's what I, I don't understand. So that <clears throat> that's the most confusing piece to all this. But in Bloom's comments after the trade deadline, he believes that this team can make a run and can make it to the postseason, and that's why. J.D. and Evaldi are still here. And he was asked, um, I was trying to quickly scan to find exactly where the words were because he was asked about those guys on um, expiring contracts and he addressed that uh, on free agents to be. He says, when you uh, get into a deadline period, you never know exactly uh, what it will bring. It says, Vasquez offers exceeded the thresholds of what would motivate them to make a deal. As for others, simply put, um, we do think we have a chance to make a run. So they they were motivated enough to trade Vasquez, but the offers for that they got for JD and Evaldi um, were not enough to motivate them to to trade them. They felt better about keeping them and making a run for the playoffs. So that was that's why they're still here. They feel like they can make the playoffs with them on their team. It's comments like that that make Bloom seem like a robot, like just like. Like, uh, what was the name of the the computer program? Carmine? Carmine was the program that they had when Theo was here. I think that Bloom might have just evolved from Carmine somehow. And now he's <laughs> sentient. Um, 
because <laughs> it it just it doesn't make any sense the way that he he thinks about this stuff. I I don't get it. Um, I find the the Bluminati on on Twitter, the people who are just Bloom sycophants and everything he does is brilliant. I find the the uh, computational way of looking at baseball, like X number of war coming back and you know X number of war going out to be a really simplistic way of looking at this game. I think anybody can you know look at numbers and and uh, try and make sweeping judgments about those numbers, but there's just something to be said for the art of sort of understanding where you are in a contention cycle and understanding personalities in your your clubhouse and how all of those things come together and you know especially looking at this Christian Vasquez trade um Christian Vasquez was a huge presence in the clubhouse Xander's you know one of Xander's best friends uh, along with Devers um clearly a clubhouse leader you know Shelly mentioned him he came over here as a 17 year old worked his way up to being one of the better catchers in the major leagues it's just a, it's a huge loss for the team and, and Keaton, you had some interesting comments uh, from uh, Christian Vasquez on on Bloom and uh, in, in when he was traded as well. So, do you, do you have those up available? Yeah. So this was uh, after the Milwaukee series. So it was two days ago. Um, and Vasquez was speaking to reporters, um, and he said the players believe that they can compete. They themselves believe they can compete this this year. And then he was asked, does Haim Bloom believe that? And he just simply responded, I don't know. Yeah. That's weird. Ugh. Um, and, and when he was traded, what did he say? His initial reactions to that. It's a business and then was yanked away by Red Sox PR. <laughs> oh, man. I mean... The video of it, too, is quite hilarious. It literally... It's like the cartoon style of, uh, like, comedian bombing on stage, and uh, Kane comes and pulls them out, like, off the yeah. side of the stage. Yanks them. It's literally like PR guy's arm comes and just, whoop, swipes him outside of the... <laughs> it's like... Exit camera left. Yeah, and, and that's some one of my biggest concerns here. And, and I'm going to read a quote from Xander. Uh, he was asked about all of the, the moves here. Um, and this was from Julian McWilliams' Twitter account, uh, 5.50 p.m. today. He said, the Vasky move, I don't want to say it waves the white flag, but that's a big piece going out before all of us expected or hoped someone was coming in. I don't want to say in particular the white flag, but it was a big move. He was a big piece of the team, yes, but it was at least trending in that direction, if you ask me. Then we get a couple of good players back. We'll see how it goes. Um, Shelly, I want to get your take on this. Um, Xander, obviously going to be a free agent here. What does the way that Bloom is approaching roster building for this team and the contract extension stuff with Xander Endeavors. Um, what do you think this does to the likelihood of, of keeping Xander in the future? And sort of what do you read into Xander's comments here? Um, when I saw those comments um, from Xander, like I felt that, you know, like I'm like, yeah, I totally agree. But then I'm like, 
Yeah. Um, he's opting out, and the team is not going to try to re-sign him. Like, I, 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 listening to those comments, like, he, I'm like, yeah, Xander feels like me right now, where I'm just like, I have no idea what this team is doing, and I have, I'm just like, I, I'm just here to play a game, and I don't feel part of this team, right? And... Yeah, it it really does make me sad that just those comments. Um, yeah, I think Xander kind of sees the the writing on the wall that, yeah, he might be in another organization um, next year because you know, you know, Bloom will get in his just kind of like, oh, I need to improve my team for two years out and. That's, I'm not improving the team two years out, so I'm out. And that that's the comments that I get. Uh, that's the, the feeling that I get from Xander's comments and kind of what I get the feeling of how this team is going. And it really, really makes me sad. I want to put on uh, my investigative reporter hat here for a second. Do you have when Bogarts made those comments? Well, the tweet was at 550 uh, from... From Julian McWilliams, so I assume it was at the park today, sometime before the end of the trade deadline. So it was four hours ago. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Interesting, because that's two hours before Bloom's comments. So let me let me just read you another quote from Bloom. Okay. Anyone who feels like this team could have made a run a few days ago should still feel that way. Even though the group looks different, I think the group has as good a chance of getting to the postseason. So I kind of feel like he's speaking to Bogarts there. Yeah. yeah. I think he, or am I, I getting a little too conspiracy theorist there? No, I think that's legit. I mean, it's clear that he has detractors in this clubhouse. There's, you know, there's guys who don't quite understand, you know, Devers obviously disagreeing with how... He's valued, you know, getting offered the Matt Olson contract. Uh, Xander being disrespected by just adding one year at $30 million to the end of the deal he has. You know, J.D. Martinez and Christian Vasquez have, have have stated how they feel about this a number of times. I think the only guy who said anything positive about Bloom in the clubhouse over the last couple of days is Jaron Duran, and that guy's an idiot. So, I mean, <laughs> I... <laughs> Really, like, if your one defender is the guy who like refused to get the vaccine forever and uh, doesn't know how to play defense or hit, uh, it's it's not great. Um, it just strikes me as really odd how this clubhouse and and Bloom seem to be interacting. And I know a lot of media people sort of had an issue with how the Vasquez situation was treated. Like, there wasn't a lot of. I don't know, thanks and fanfare for Vasquez on the way out for somebody as as tenured as he was. Did you guys feel that way about the Vasquez thing when he was sent out? Like he didn't get kind of a proper send-off? Well, it seems like he found out through the media. So, yeah. No, I don't think that was a great way to do it. And then Bloom admitted in his... um, his comments today that he just talked to Vasquez via FaceTime, not in person. Um, so he, I mean, 
he said it's that's not really the way that you'd like to do it, but I, I guess at the same time, I can also understand the team's on the road. Um, he's a general manager, so he's probably with everybody back in Boston, so I'm not exactly sure how else he would have done that, but I guess he does acknowledge that that's not, that that's a mistake. On, yeah. On how to handle that and not having somebody, some representative of somebody do it in person uh, and breaking it through FaceTime. Um, yeah, it seems like it's not only Vasquez, but um, you know, the way that Vasquez has been talking about it is he's said everything the right, he said all the right things and has handled it very well and has not really trashed, trashed the Red Sox on the way out. But all of the Red Sox players that have remained behind have been like um, pretty vocal about uh, the Red Sox not handling it the right way and being kind of pretty pissed off about it. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about it, Shelly? Yeah, yeah. Um, at, at first, I was kind of um, um, just maybe as a fan, uh, just kind of upset how they just basically like just traded him to the team that they're facing, and so it. And of course, you know, you know, Vasquez was just like totally blown away by it because this has basically been his life since he was a teenager and he's like yeah can I just take BP it just it was just like all of this stuff and it just it just felt odd and weird and I'm like okay once I saw that I'm like okay so now we're definitely going to go in a certain direction and just sell but then it didn't happen so then that also added to the confusion um and it's like why it's just the last couple of days has just been like so confusing and i really feel bad for 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 vasquez because i mean you know the dude has you know come back from tommy john and he's just been like a you know stalwart and he just was like just traded and had to go across the field to the other team so i i'm sure i cannot believe like what he's going through just everything yeah, it really drives home the human side of this whole thing. And, you know, if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, Vasquez's history with the team, I think it'd be a great idea to go on Twitter and read uh, the thread that Alex Spear put up. It was a really nice, thoughtful um, tribute in sort of a recounting of the journey uh, that Christian Vasquez has taken here uh, throughout his player development. He was not a high pick. He was not expected to succeed at this level. And worked incredibly hard and, and was able to, to get himself to be a valuable trade chip for this team and an important contributor uh, to the World Series in 2018 and, you know, other huge moments in the playoffs, especially, you know, moments like last year come to mind. So definitely a guy who's going to be missed and a clubhouse leader. Um, I think we should hit on the return, though, uh, for Christian Vasquez. Uh, as we mentioned, Emmanuel Valdez and Wilder Abreu were the two players. Both of these guys are in the upper minors. Uh, Shelly, what do we know about these two guys? Uh, you know, what what caliber of player are they? Uh, what can we expect from them? Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that the, the two guys... The two guys that we got back uh, for Christian Vasquez are interesting players. I don't know if they are, like, superstar players or stuff like that. Um, so, Emmanuel Valdez, um, he's a second baseman. Um, he's 23 years old, and he, you know, um, 
has been hitting extremely well for AAA. Like he was just assigned to AAA um, this this evening. Um, you know, uh, when he was with um, the Astros, he was hitting 296, 347, 560 through 173 plate appearances. Um, I really, I like him as a player. I just don't know, again, like I don't know if he's like an everyday player. Um, he struggles with the high fastball, which is not surprising, knowing that he's only 5'9", right? So he's just basically going to be like a very small second baseman who can put the bat on the ball, but is not like your everyday type of player. Um, but again, he is kind of interesting. Um, and then... Uh, um, Abreu is an outfielder. He has all fields power, has a good feel for the strike zone, and will probably end up in a corner. Um, and again, say, it, it, this is kind of interesting. Um, he also has like a huge hole in his swing. Like he really has trouble with the high fastball. So I, I just don't. Even though his line looks really great, I just really think that both of these guys are going to struggle in in major league uh with against major league pitching because they do have noticeable holes in their swing even like right now even like with scouts like with baseball america and fan graphs can see this so you know that major league uh teams are also gonna see this um so I think that it's okay for like half a season of christian vasquez like these guys are interesting I just don't really know that there is a lot of there there, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's not like certain that either of these guys are going to be regulars. I think that's a a good way to put it. Um, Abreu's numbers for the year, just to, to let all the people know out there at Double A, he's playing for the Corpus Christi Hooks, um, actually my birth town, so that's interesting. Um, 15 home runs, 23 stolen bases, 19%. Uh, walk rate 26.3% K rate and a slash line of 249, 399, 459 with a 125 WRC plus. Um, and then uh, I think you're absolutely right. Valdez is the one with the more eye popping numbers. Uh, he started off the year with the Corpus Christi hooks as well, had 11 home runs there, four stolen bases, 16.6% walk per walk rate, 22.9% uh, K rate. And a slash line of 357, 463, 649 with a 178 WRC+. Plus. Um, those numbers have not been quite as good at AAA. Obviously, it's a, a more advanced level. Um, you know, 10 homers there, uh, one stolen base. Um, cut his K rate to 16.8%. He's walking about 10% less. And his slash line is 296, 347, 560. So he's still slugging the ball. Um out of these two players, I think I definitely like Emmanuel Valdez a little bit more. Um, he just seems like a little bit of a safer play. Um, you know, this is, I have extremely limited knowledge of these two guys, but I like the stat line for, for Valdez a little bit more um, in, in the contact profile. But uh, Keaton, what do you think of this return for Christian Vasquez? Do you, do you feel like it's good enough and you feel like uh, you have a preference as to which one of these guys you like more? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting enough for a guy who just has two months left on his contract. 
Um, Valdez, to me, is the one that's most interesting, which will probably shock you because he's um, basically Michael Chavis. <laughs> so uh, naturally I'm drawn to him. Although the defensive positioning is a bit unique. He's played like every position on the diamond, I think. Um, yeah, he's got no defensive home really at this point. Yeah, which is a little concerning. Um, so I, I guess I would toss that back to Shelly because I feel like you would know more than this. Do you think he sticks at second? Is Has he finally found a home, or do you think his final place is somewhere else? Do you think it's just, um, or maybe is he destined to be a DH um, with no defensive home? Um, so that I guess that piece is, is probably another red flag for me, along with his inability to hit a high fastball. But um, his results have been been pretty nice, and obviously he's taken a big step forward this year. So, um, Shelly, what do you think about his defense? Yeah, that's what really uh scares me as well like he could maybe stick at second um but it's either second or dh which is like a really like strange profile <laughs> it's um it's i mean because he's like a really small guy so you can't like go stick him you can't stick like a five nine guy at first base right like it's it's just it's a really weird profile like i love him as a hitter i really do think that he has great de- bat to ball scales and stuff like that it's just uh, I yeah it's either gonna be second base or DH or just yeah it, it's it's a really weird defensive kind of profile for him so I mean I understand why the Astros would kind of move on you know to get a upgrade at catcher but yeah I have I have no idea how this honestly works with the the current roster or the roster for a year or two years out yeah maybe these guys just end up as chips uh for future trades uh that's sort of my hope here but uh you know i i have no idea i think we should probably move on to talking about the catcher position though um so you know with the vacancy created by christian vasquez the red sox did bring in uh, reese mcguire um from the chicago white sox now, uh, McGuire's stats are not very good. Uh, he's not been a very successful major leaguer to this point. He's 27 years old. He's a defense-first guy. He's batting 225, 261, 285 for this year with a 55 WRC+. Um, he's been pretty much a below-average offensive player for the majority of his career. Uh, he's got a career rate uh, 73 WRC+, so not a whole lot there. Uh, he's also got a questionable history. Uh, I think we should, uh, mention because everybody else will, uh, that he was, uh, caught, you know, uh, pleasuring himself in, in a car in front of, uh, a Dollar Tree, which is not exactly the location I would pick. Um, but you know, he was, uh, he got in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> what location would you pick? <laughs> I mean, not a not in front of a dollar tree let's just say that uh, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be my first option of stores either i mean i like good deals and everything but i don't like them that much uh it is just uh, quite strange um but anyhow i mean i think this begs the the question of what the hell did the red sox do uh at this position long term it, it's it's sort of confounding at this point because 
you know, when you look at it, Kevin Pilecki is going to be up after this year. Uh, they have control over uh, Reese McGuire for, you know, a number of years after this, but he's not really a, a starting level player. Uh, Keaton, what do you think they do to address this position uh, moving forward? I don't think I'd be okay with, you know, Reese McGuire and, and Connor Wong next year locking down this position. What do you think? Um, what about uh, throwing Ronaldo Hernandez in the mix there? Yeah, it doesn't move the needle for me. Give me a little taste, a little tasty taste. <laughs> um, well, what about the, uh, the, I mean, you knew this was bound to happen because this always happens every time a free agent leaves in a contract year, but the, the hot theory that the Red Sox will just re-sign Vasquez this offseason. I don't buy it um, because, you know, we've talked about this on the pod before. Uh, Heim Bloom shopped for Jacob Stalling last year. I think he's not very high on Vasquez defensively. Um, so I, I would be very surprised by that. Me too. Also, just in general, that never happens, ever. Yeah, it never happens. <laughs> Once they're gone, they're generally gone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like that group either, and I don't think over the next two months someone's really going to separate themselves. So I would imagine it's addressed in the off season in some way, shape, or form. Um, so I, I guess we'll see how that plays out. I mean, I get Wilson Contreras is a free agent. Yep. Here, although that he'll probably most likely come with a qualifying offer. Um, but if um, JD Martinez and Evaldi will also most likely come with qualifying offers from your end. <clears throat> excuse me, from your end. Um, so if you're sending two of them out, you probably won't feel all that bad having one come back in. Um, there are some interesting names from the, on the free agent lists, but um, you, I feel like that you ha- either have to, you ha- basically have to go that route because I don't think any one of these guys you really feel great about. Yeah, I mean, looking at the Red Sox system uh, here, Shelley, they really only have Wong and Ronaldo Hernandez in the upper minors, and you know their their next best catching prospect is many years away. Here, um, as as Keaton noted, the free agent class is is okay. It's got Wilson Contreras, it's got Omar Narvaez, but really not a whole ton of guys uh, there. Christian Vasquez, obviously, on that list as well. Do you Gary think Sanchez, they, if you want to take a real big step back defensively? Uh, yeah, I don't even consider him a catcher at this point, <laughs> uh, uh, nor do the Yankees, clearly. Uh, and look at the success they've found without Gary Sanchez. So, yes, I'm not going to include him. Um, what do you think they do to address this next year? Do you think they address it through trade, maybe some guy we're not thinking about? Or do you think they will go after one of those free agents? Or Stan Pat. I mean, do you think this is the group they go with? <laughs> uh, knowing Bloom, we will probably Stan Pat, but that's just me <laughs> being extremely bitter. Um, no, I think that we, we definitely do have to address the catching situation. Um, 
I, I mean, with, you know, when I was seeing, like, Eric Cosmer, like, coming back to, like, the Red Sox, like, I was just, like, please bring back Luis Campisano because we have, like, really just no, like, number one catcher. Like, if Connor Wong was, like, our number two catcher, sure, I would be fine with that. Like, it's it's okay. But going going into, like, next year with, like, Luis McGuire and Connor Wong, like, that that's not doable. You got two maybe backup catchers. So, I mean, I definitely do think that we either make a trade – somebody or just sign someone like i i i you know kind of like what keaton was saying was like if you have like two players going out with qualifying offers and you you know sign wilson Contreras, who's probably going to get a qualifying offer so now you have just one qualifying offer going that for the draft pick maybe that's what he's going with but yeah the catching situation is um uh dire bleak it's it's awful yeah and, and i'd be okay with the idea of even standing pat and going with a defense first approach if bloom just went all out improving the rest of the roster but it's there's just so many freaking holes on this roster i don't see how you plug all of them at the same time so yeah it's going to be interesting to see um all right let's move on to tommy fam here we talked about how he's 34 and his contract expires at the end of the year. He's limited defensively, a little bit older. Bat has taken a step back over the last couple of years. He also slapped or punched somebody. Uh, I think it was Jock Peterson over a fantasy football league. Uh, he was also stabbed outside of a strip club. Uh, what do you guys make of Tommy Pham as a, as a player and, and as a clubhouse guy? You know, any insight into his reputation? Because I haven't really followed Tommy Pham. I know uh, a little bit about him because of, like, fantasy baseball. But, like, how do you guys see this guy coming into this clubhouse and sort of adding himself to the mix? Uh, let's let's go with you first, Shelly. What are your thoughts on Mr. Pham? Um, I, I liked him, like, a couple years ago, just only – only based on like fantasy baseball stuff. Um, I don't think that Tommy Pham is going to do well here in Boston. <laughs> um, he is a bit uh, high strung, and if he struggles in the least bit and he gets some boo birds out, you know, you know, around left field, like booing him. Knowing his personality, I don't think that that's going to go over well. So I am not excited to see Tommy Pham in 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 Fenway um as much as I think that he is a perfectly great baseball player I just don't think that he's going to do well here in Boston which makes me uh sad yeah I mean this is a name we brought up in the offseason Keaton um Tommy Pham is is actually you know the funny thing is we brought up Hosmer and Tommy Pham as potential options for this team in the offseason um what's your take on Pham you you agree with Shelley or how do you feel about him and his checkered history yeah I I don't know um seems weird for a couple months. I think it would have made way more sense in the beginning of the year. Um, 
but I completely agree with uh, the fans. It seems like like a, a ripe situation where the fans could get under his skin a little bit and things could go wrong quickly. But um, Or things could go okay. We'll see. My big thing with him is he can get on base, which uh, thank God, because I, I mean, he's batting second tonight. I don't think that's where. Uh, well, maybe, maybe that is where he generally lands. I guess I assumed when Trevor Story came back, that might shuffle things up. But maybe he ends up. Maybe they just push a Story down a bit. I don't know. Anyway, it lengthens. It had like. It adds the some somebody who can get on base lengthens the lineup some so that um, the bottom of the li- the bottom three of the lineup isn't as much of a black hole as it has been. So it's not excruciatingly painful to watch them kill a rally and just watch men on base die and have them strike out a combined. 12 to 15 times a game. So I think that part is nice from like a baseball sense. Um, but yeah, from like a like a dugout and like a personality sense, um, really kind of feels like a toss-up, whether it's going to work or not. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it seems like a, adding a combustible guy to a clubhouse that is already sort of reeling a little bit so I'm, I'm not sure about it um and we already talked about reese mcguire's weird history so it's it's just a a strange mix and then i think we ought to get to uh eric hosmer who's a very strong old school baseball sort of personality himself um who, who's coming back here i mean I don't know how he's going to work with the clubhouse. I don't know he's how he's going to mesh with everything. Um, he's apparently a mentor to Tristan Casas. Apparently they're from the same area. And uh, Tristan Casas has, you know, interacted with him quite a bit. And they're, they're friendly and they've worked out together and stuff like that. So maybe this was part of the deal with Eric Cosmer. But it, it definitely seems like the clubhouse got a bit more strange, uh, to say the least. But I want to get to the return here in the Eric Cosmer deal because the Red Sox did get a couple prospects in addition to, um, you know, the money being covered, the $44 million, uh, that we mentioned. Uh, the two prospects that are coming back to the Red Sox are Max Ferguson and Corey Rozier, an outfielder. Uh, Shelly, what's our scouting report on those two fellas? Uh, yeah, uh, so Ferguson is just like, uh, I just, I, it just really made me chuckle uh, when he was part, part of the return. Um, because um, I do like this, like, uh, minor league stats, like, tweet, like, every single day. Like, just, like, profiling, like, you know, prospects that have, like, a good day or whatever. And Ferguson is, like, always on, like, my, my little sheet of... Uh, for stolen bases like he has stolen I think definitely over 50 I think it was like 55 stolen bases this year um and he just just runs like whenever he's on base he just runs which is great which is great but he's 6'1 180 pounds so 
he needs to get stronger. Like, if he's going to be, like, a dude, he needs to get stronger. Um, I don't know if that's really ever really going to happen for him, but I just, it's an interesting kind of speed guy uh, for the for the Red Sox. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, and then Rosaire, like, he is, uh, again, like, it was an interesting thing that Bloom did. Like, Ferguson and Rosaire, like, they are both, like, 60, 70-grade runners. Um, Rosaire is more of the outfield type. Like, he's definitely going to be able to stick in center. It's just he's almost 23 and only at high A. So, I mean, taking that into account, like, you can't really expect too much from him. Um, but again, it's, it's a guy, right? So we just, I think that Bloom just added like some of like the lower level Padres guys that were super fast and maybe we can see what's going on there, but I just don't really think that there's going to be anything there. Yeah. I mean, these guys were ranked, uh, uh, they were, they were both ranked on the, uh, the fan graphs list preseason. Corey Rozier was 17th and, uh, where it was uh, Max Ferguson was 26th, but um, yeah, I mean to to sum it up here, I think you're absolutely right. These are two guys who, again, we're not sure are going to be regulars at all. And in Rozier being the higher ranked of these two guys, they threw a maybe a fifth outfielder uh, profile on him. So, yeah, uh, not exactly Luis Campusano here. Um, Keaton, do you have any thoughts on either of these guys, or 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 the loss of Jay Groom here in this uh, this deal? Any of these guys matter to you on either side? Um, just that um, was a couple pods ago. We talked about uh, the trade deadline approaching with guys who were um, borderline uh, Rule Five options. Mm-hmm. Uh, protections on the 40-man roster. Groom is one of them, and that was, I think, one that you brought up as a guy that could potentially be on the move. Um, it's had some you know, injury setbacks, would have been needed to be added to the 40-man roster um, or be eligible for the Rule 5 draft. And so he was somebody who um, was probably likely to be added into some kind of deal at the trade deadline. Here we are. Um, was hoping for him to take, you know, a big step forward this year, being far enough removed from his most recent surgery. Um, and it just wasn't enough of a step forward. So I don't think that was a surprise here. Um, and San Diego can just can kind of sit on his uh, his development a bit longer here than the Red Sox could have. So I don't think that's a, a shock that he was included in a, a deadline deal here. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's also worth noting for people who haven't followed the trajectory of Jay Groom's career here that after having Tommy John surgery, he was he was thought of as the best pitcher in his class uh, when the Red Sox did draft him. Um, his stuff has not returned to the same levels, um, certainly not his curveball or his fastball. He's got pretty much uh, average to slightly above average stuff across the board. Um, Not thought of as the same caliber pitcher. One other interesting thing uh, that I remember from the draft time is that uh, the Padres were actually the other team that was very heavily interested uh, in him. 
uh, on that draft, and and they were actually going to uh, pay him a significant amount of money if he fell to them, and he didn't. Boston took him, but it's just interesting that they do end up with the player after having some interest. But you know, Red Sox fans who are who maybe don't follow prospects as closely, this is not the same type of loss as it would have seemed like uh, years ago because the development just never really came along uh, for Jay Grew. All right, a, a couple transaction notes before we go ahead and get to our listener questions here. Uh, Rafael Devers is back from the 10-day IL. Uh, Trevor Story has a hairline fracture in his wrist. He has no timeline to return. Uh, Rob Refsnyder is headed to the IL with a knee sprain that's retroactive, so he'll be able to be activated uh, sooner. Ronaldo Hernandez was sent back to the minors. Phillips Valdez was lost off waivers to Seattle when he was DFA'd. Uh, Rich Hill was activated from the 15-day IL, so he will pitch shortly. And Christian Arroyo was activated from the 10-day IL and is currently playing tonight at shortstop in lieu of Xander Bogarts, who's getting a day off. Okay, let's get to some listener questions. Mike Teague has our first question. He says, I love the moves made, but feel maybe not enough of an upgrade and out." Upgrade and outfield and first base are huge moves, uh, although should have been done in the offseason. And again, that sort of hits on what we were talking about, how we, you know, we mentioned both Pham and uh, Hosmer as possibilities in the offseason. I'd love to hear your reactions uh, to Bloom's comments here. Uh, Bloom said they wanted to add to the pen, but nothing came of it that they liked. Uh, and he says he was hoping for some back-end help to pitch for a wild card berth. Uh, Keaton, I think this one is sort of tailor-made for you. This is what you mentioned, too. They didn't do enough uh, to fix this bullpen. They didn't do anything to fix this bullpen. So, I mean, what do you make of that quote from Bloom that nothing came of it that they liked? I don't believe him. You're telling me you were not involved in in talks for anybody that was an upgrade over Brazier, Sauramura, Davis, or Ort? None of those guys? You, you, none of them, not one single one of those guys could have been replaced by the conversations you were having? I don't believe him. I don't either. Agreed. Yeah. Daddy doesn't always tell the truth. Sorry, Stranger Things. Um, okay, let's move on here. Uh, next question from Pete Abraham was... Uh, when do you have, or not from Pete Abraham, that'd be funny if he asked us a question. This one is also from Mike Teague. Uh, he says, uh, when do you have Dahlbeck go down and bring Casas up uh, to play with Hosmer? When do you make the move? Uh, Shelly, let's go with you for this one since you're our prospect expert. Um, honestly, I would like to see it like in the second half of September. Um, because there, there's there's the, this kind of like thing with like the the new CBA where teams get like a what like an extra draft pick if a prospect that they bring up is like in the top three of their you know the rookie of the year voting. Um, so I'm thinking that. The Red Sox are thinking about that because I think that Bloom always thinks about the future more than the present. And they'll be like, okay, yeah, we'll bring him up for like a couple games and then have him start 
um, you know, next year, you know, with the big league club, and hopefully we can get a draft pick because we still believe in him and we think that he can finish in the top three of the rookie of the year voting. John, there's there's enough time for him to unseat Julio Rodriguez. Uh, sadly, I do not think so. Darn. As yeah. much as I love him so much, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Julio is uh, the best. Who do you think would win in a wrestling match? I would still think Julio. Julio is so good. Like, have you watched him? Like, he he blows <laughs> my mind with how much fun he is. He's so much fun to watch. <laughs> I, I think I think Casas could take him in a wrestling match, but that's Fair. about the only thing uh, I think he could take him in. Um, all right, what next tic tac toe. I think uh, Julio is pretty good at that. Uh, Gordon Comstock has our next question. He says, "Have we, and I include myself as someone who is trusted in his decisions, put too much faith in Bloom?" It seems like he's made numerous personnel errors. Guys saying they haven't been approached for extensions. The Vasquez timing seems to regularly devalue the human element. Uh, I want to take this one first because this one, when I saw it, I was like, yes, I agree with you. Uh, Gordon, I completely agree. I think that that is Bloom's biggest flaw is that he does regularly devalue the human element. And I think that that has really permeated to how the clubhouse feels uh, and the performance that we've seen out on the field. And it just seems like error after error after ever error of treating these guys like they are just uh, numbers. And I think that, you know, Keaton, you'd probably, I think you'd probably agree, and you've said this numerous times on the show, that we've been, like, very moderate when it comes to High and Bloom. Like, we've tried to toe the line between the people who are calling for his head and the people who uh, think that everything he does is the best thing ever. Um, But man, it really does feel like over the last year, there have been a lot more mistakes than successes. Yeah. um, I was really annoyed with this offseason and kind of felt like he, he saved it to an extent because I felt like I was giving him the benefit of the doubt because I did say this offseason he needed to spend money, and he did. So for my expectations, he did do what I wanted him to do, so I can't really get mad at him for that. But then as the season has gone on, there's been like no communication with the team for like what the direction of the team is going. Like Xander Bogarts is becoming more and more outspoken about like, Hey guys, what the hell are we doing? Um, also what the hell are you doing with me? Um, this bullshit low ball offer to Devers is pissing me off. This trade deadline is confusing as hell. I'm losing my patience, Jake. I'm trying to remain rational, and it is it is getting really fucking hard, man. Yeah, Shelly, how's your sanity with Heimblum's uh, recent set of moves? Um, I'm not a Bloom fan, like at all. Like I, 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 I gave him a benefit of the doubt. 
um, for like when he came in, like with 2020 and COVID and the, I won't even go into like the Mookie thing, whatever. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt and um, he has failed like it pretty much every single step of the way. Um, and yeah, I mean, you could say that, oh yeah, he brought in Story, but Story, I don't think really wanted to be here. Like he wanted to go back to Texas, but then Texas, you know, signed uh, Simeon and Seeger, so there's not really a place for Story. So he just kind of like fell into, you know, the Red Sox lap because again, Story is a really great player. I'm glad that he's on the team. Um, but outside of that, like, what what has Bloom done to I I I I don't know. Like I I really getting like some Ben Sherrington vibes. Like he's always looking like for three years down the line. Not, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, so far, I've not been the biggest fan of his work, and I think I'll probably be writing about this uh, over the next couple of weeks at at OTM, but. Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys. Do you have any insight, uh, either of you, into this whole Bluminati like staunch defender thing that is going on? I I don't think I've seen this with any general manager uh, in the past. You know, I've I've been paying attention to the Red Sox for a long time since you know Dan Duquette was the GM here and and Theo and. You know, run the gamut of of GMs we've had since then. I've never seen any fan base, and and clearly we didn't have like uh, social media and what have you. But you don't really see this with other GMs. What do you make of this crazy defending every move that he makes thing? Do either of you think about this at all? I feel like there was a section of the fan base that did that with Dombo. Maybe not as vocal. I feel like it's just more vocal with Bloom. Hmm. Maybe. What do you think, Shelly? Um, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I'm just, like, perpetually upset. So maybe I'm just a Red Sox fan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, it is weird. Um... Although yeah. I feel like it's easier to, maybe it's perspective too. I feel like it's easier to defend a guy like Dombrowski, who's like what you're defending is him making a bunch of big trades, right? Like that's exciting. That's easy to defend. With Bloom, you're defending like inaction and moves around the edges. Just in general, that's annoying. Yeah, yeah. It's it's certainly a a much less exciting uh, brand of managing a baseball team than uh, Dombrowski had. And so far, uh, Dombrowski's got a World Series, and uh, Bloom does not. So, you know, that's the scoreboard right now. We'll see uh, how things shake out. Maybe the, the genius master plan is, is coming down the road. Uh, Jason Sullivan doesn't think so, though. He has our next question. He says, do we have the schedule and meetup spot for the peaceful protest that needs to take place outside the Sox offices? Uh, Shelly, if we stage a protest, will you make it up from uh, Virginia? (laughs) Um, I've always wanted to go to Boston, so this seems like a perfect time to go. Um, I will uh, definitely peacefully protest outside the Sox offices. 
Keaton, you're close to a United hub over there in Chicago. You think you can get a flight? Um, oh, yeah, very easily. <laughs> Wasn't um, – what? Uh, hold on. Move, move on to uh, – I'm going to loop back to this. Move on to the next question. <laughs> okay. Very mysterious over there, Keaton. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kenny Sorrentino Jr. has our next one. He says, do the moves uh, make it seem more or less likely – that they pursue judge in the off season. They have to at least try. No. Uh, Shelly, you want to take a, take a stab at this one? <laughs> um, I think, uh, sure. They'll, they'll be in, you know, some, you know, John Heyman tweets about this, but do I think that they actually make a go at this? I don't think so. Um, I could definitely see maybe, you know, the Yankees, sure, but maybe he'll be a Met. But I don't think that he's going to be a Red Sox, even though that would be delightful. I would love to have him on the team. Yeah, he's over 30. He's oft injured. He's expensive. And he's good at baseball. Aren't all of those things things that Heim Bloom doesn't like? Exactly. What are, what are your thoughts on this, Keaton? Any Any chance that Aaron Judge is wearing... A Red Sox uniform next year? It would be really weird. Um, I don't... You think he can play that right field? Yeah, I do. He's really freaking good. I mean, he is. Yeah. He plays, a, would, he plays a passable center field at Yankee Stadium. True. Yeah. I guess I... I mean, I would love it because I feel like it'd make... Yankees fans are really mad, and he's really good at baseball. Um, but I f- feel like they probably won't. Yeah, but I, I don't. I would enjoy it. Yeah, I I would like it. I don't think it'll. I don't even know if there'll be a real rumor attached to it. Um, all right, Alexander Hutchinson has our next question. He says, with no additions to the pen. Including injured guys, what's your ranking of the pen at the moment? I think by this he means ranking of uh, how we trust guys in the pen. Uh, is that how you took it, Keaton? Yeah. Um, right. Because, have... if, I mean, if we're ranking, like, the Red Sox bullpen by, um, like, MLB rank, maybe, like, 28th. Yeah, it'd be lower third for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Whitlock number one. I think Schreiber two. Hauk a very close third. Pacific Ocean sized gap. Everyone else. No, no, Matt Strom love for you. He said to include injured guys. Not, not on Matt Strom. Oh, I'm sorry. So, in the middle of that Pacific Ocean size gap, Matt Strom's where Hawaii is. Okay. All right. So, hi, Hawaii is the most remote archipelago in uh, the world. So. That's saying a lot. Um, all right. Shelly, wh- where are you with this bullpen? Give us your ranks. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I really do uh, agree with Keaton. Um, actually, I would probably put Schweiber a, above Whitlock um, just because uh, I, he's just been, like, locked down nails and Whitlock has dealt with, like, injuries and other type of stuff. Um, so for this year, I would put Schreiber before Whitlock and then Hauk. Um, but long-term, it would be Whitlock and then Hauk, Schreiber, Pacific Ocean, Hawaii, Strom, and then everyone else can just go away. <laughs> nice. I, I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys. I also would have Schreiber first for this season, um, followed closely by Whitlock. I would have a, a pretty big gap, actually, between those two and Hauk. I, I trust Hauk a little bit less. Um then I would say Strom and Austin Davis would be in my next group. Um, but they're very, very far away from the other guys. And then uh, there is no difference to me between Brazier, Sawamora, or Danish, Josh Taylor, Matt Barnes. They're all in the garbage bin. So not great. Uh, and our final question uh, says, this is from Raul Duke. He says, did Christian Vasquez blank Heim's mom or something? <laughs> Truly a head scratcher after not selling other pieces. Uh, we did hit on this. It is weird. Uh, I, I don't think that Vasky uh, had relations with Heim's mom. That would be weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's not great. I don't know what more we can say about that we've gotten two others in the uh course of our recording oh good go ahead uh tj mcphee says what do you think about Bloom's quantity over quality approach when it comes to acquiring prospects really bad really really bad i don't like it agreed and then um the other one I actually just realized was not a question for our pod. But um, after the first trade this morning, I, I tweeted out, business is blooming. Um, and someone replied back, is the business a fire sale? So there's a question for us. Is it a fire sale? I would say uh, no, because they didn't sell anyone. Or yeah, enough. We <laughs> sort of wish it was a fire sale, but it was not. <laughs> Uh, I, one more thing I just want to end the pod on to, to give us a, a slightly positive note here. Uh, Eric Cosmer in his career at Fenway is batting 354, 404, 485. So maybe he will be a good fit for Fenway. Something to like, dream on. Is it like eight at-bats? It's uh, 109 plate appearances. Oh, okay. So it's not nothing, but... uh. It's not exactly a large sample, but yeah. And uh, so just to close, close my little tease there, I was try. I was going to say we can call our, our protests the, uh, the enough said McGreevy riots. Uh, Cause I was trying to very quickly remember who set the bleachers on fire in the 1920s. And I thought it was him. Turns out it was not. Um, and I, I could not find who set, the, I don't know if it is known who set the bleachers on fire. Was it McGreevy, the uh, head of the, the Royal Rooters? 
He was, right? Yeah. And I thought, that, isn't that where they were? That was like their spot in the. I thought that was yeah. where they their spot in the the stadium. So I thought that that he he led. I thought he lit the stadium on fire. I thought that was a story that I had read somewhere, um, but that does not appear to be the case. So apologies well, to you, Mister McGreevy, on uh, the accusations of arson. Well, you know, I did name my dog Tessie after the 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 Dropkick Murphys song, so I'm. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Royal Rooters. I like the reference. Keeper. Aren't we all? Yeah. I mean, we still could in his honor. <laughs> yeah, we might have to, depending <laughs> on how the offseason goes with Heim Bloom. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, Shelley's first time to Boston might have to come with a, a felony arson charge. Yeah. I'm for it. Let's go. There we go. All right. Well, uh, this was a a great way to end the podcast. Keaton, thank you for joining me as usual. Shelly, thank you very much for coming on and giving us your insights about these prospects, uh, however average they may be. Uh, The prospects, not your insights. Um, And uh, yeah, you can follow uh, Keaton on Twitter at the Spoken Keats. You can follow Shelly at ShellyV underscore 643. Did I get that right, Shelly? That was from memory. Yep, yep, you got it right. Nice. All right. And you can follow me, if you would like, at, at DevJake. And you can follow the Over the Monster account at, at Over the Monster to see Keaton's funnier tweets and his excellent sarcasm. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it. That's our show. Thanks, guys. And uh, give us your feedback. We'll be with you next week. Bye.